fights. We need Tyson versus Joshua. We need yeah. Josh Taylor versus Ramirez for an undisputed fight. If you could pick right now, out of lockdown, Mick, who do you want to fight? There is right there. Who, who, who would you pick? I'd pick Josh Warrington. Yeah. I'd pick Josh Warrington. I would like to, I would like to have the WBO. Because Parley Stevenson is moving up, so I would, lo- I would love that to be unification. WBO with his IBF. But it looks like he's going to fight um, Kanzu next, doesn't it? So um, that's another fight I would love. Um, that would be a very exciting fight. Stades that I believe suit me. You know, stades that come forward, throw loads of punches. I, I, I think they're made for me, stays like that. So um, they'll be exciting fights, I think. Are you missing the Booth Gym with the H-Man and Charlie? And- 100%. Oh, I'm missing all the boys. missing all the boys. Um, we were all in the group chat, so we're still kind of keeping touch and stuff. But um, oh, it's 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 a bit different training here by yourself, motivating yourself. I've been what I have been doing though. I've been watching off a lot of boxing. Um, I seen that you're watching. The, who were you watching the other day? Though? I was watching Colonel Whitaker. I've been watching. Uh uh-huh. I was watching Colonel Whitaker. I'm watching off a lot of him, and I watched him against Chavez, obviously. But I watched a few more. Um, I watched him against uh, what's his name? I've lost his name. Um, African guy. Ghana, you know. Somebody will probably come on in the comments, hopefully. Uh, um, I've been watching an awful lot of Terence Crawford. Um, right back the, even the, before the Ricky Burns fight and the Ricky Burns fight. Um, he's, a, he's a phenomenal fighter, but you can see the development as well. He, he's, he's complete now, but he wasn't complete back then when he beat Ricky. Like, he didn't look like he was... And Ricky had a few bad losses already there, didn't he? Um, yeah. And touched Lucky with the guy who ended up just pawing it. Remember, that was a bit weird, that one? Who was the one that pulled? Ricky was fighting. No, no, Rick, who Ricky was fighting. Oh, yeah. So he, he had kind of won that fight, but it was like weird. He got a, he got a draw against Beltran. Um, and then, and then, yeah. and, and then, like Crawford, I thought like, the Crawford of now would have took him out of it. So you can see the development and how good he's got every fight since then. You know what I mean? He's got better and better each fight. But I believe there's an awful lot of similarities in, in our style. So it's someone who I've been watching and, and taking a lot off, obviously with a switch hitting and stuff. Um, so, are you, are, you, are you taking pointers from what what's in Crawford? 100%, 100%. Listen, you gotta, you gotta study the best. And out there, the best for me is, is Crawford. Well, so, I take it Lomachenko's number two in your pound for pound then? Aye, well, he's, he's dropped down. He's dropped down. The more I'm watching Crawford, Lomachenko's moved into number two. Um, because Crawford does near, near everything very, very good. Where I think. You know, Lomachenko does numerous things, but not everything. Perfect. You know what I mean? It's 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 it's, it's very very close. No way the way he could do everything and, and and how the stage or his stage kind of similar to mine is maybe what more so why I'm putting him as, as number one. But um, I just think he's his adaptability and how he how he changes things up is is amazing. Seconds out, delighted to be joined by James Tennyson, former European super featherweight champion, of course, and now on something of a tear at lightweight, it's fair to say. How's yeah, it yeah. going at the moment with everything that's going on? As good as can be. You know, I'm not doing too bad. You know, it's not really out of my routine when I'm in training camp, you know, doing my training and then I spend the rest of the day with family and the rest in between. So, you know, that's sort of what I'm doing. I've got enough equipment at home that's kept me busy, you know. so. The only thing I'm really missing is my sparring, so everything's going good so far. What about your trainer and the other lads in the gym? Are you guys kind of keeping in touch, and are you missing that side of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's one thing. You know, you don't really realize how much you, you love your training and, and all the stuff that comes of it until you know it's taken away from you. So yeah, I've been kept. I've made Tony of Captain touch. You know, we're talking away every day, and 
Lenny Journal, how things are going and stuff. So, yeah. As we talk now on the 1st of May, you're still scheduled to fight for the vacant British lightweight title against Gavin Gwynn in July. What's the latest you're hearing about that, both in terms of if it goes ahead on that date and whether it will be behind closed doors, as we assume? Well, I was reading up with the British Boxing Board of Control, so I'm there sure that, well, they says as long as lockdown and stuff's lifted, the boxing can resume in July, which is when we're dating for. So I'm pretty sure that it could happen behind closed doors. You know, I've kept my head in the game, I've kept training, you know, I know that it is close enough. So, you know, I've kept, I've kept things going and, you know, Hopefully it does happen in June. You could be one of the first boxers to, in the UK at least, to appear back on after the lockdown. Yeah, one of the first. Yeah, brilliant, happy days. <laughs> what but, do you, right, you make of um, Gavin Gwynn as an opponent? Um, he's a big, tough lad. You know, he works hard. He comes to win. You know, he's got a big heart. You know, I think, yeah, it'll not be an easy fight. You know, he's, he's, he's coming to win. You know, he's eager. He's busting to win this, but he's telling you, know, it's a goal of his and, um, yeah, I'm expecting a tough night, you know, if, if, if camp and training and stuff going on, like I say, you know, I know what's ahead, I know what's ahead of me. Give us an idea because you've um, obviously beaten Mike and Jay Ward, you've challenged for a world title against Tevin Farmer, you're still rated, I think, top 10 um, by the uh, WBO, number 11 by the WBA at lightweight. Why are you fighting for the British title? Because it doesn't seem like you need to necessarily. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, you're right. I don't really. I don't think I need to. But you know, it's just the way of we're, we're coming to lightweight. We didn't have no belts, you know, after taking a loss, having farmer stuff. So you know, it's a good way of building ourselves back up, picking some tails up along the way. And you know, we're still learning every day. So you know, it's it's we're we're still gaining experience from from uh, fighting for this tail and working our way back up back up the ladder. Does the British title kind of, and the Lonsdale belt and the, the history behind it, does that mean something to you? Because I know against uh, Martin Ward, he gave up the belt not long before you guys fought, so you never got the opportunity to challenge for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I challenged for the belt around four years ago against... Um, Brian Walsh. Brian Walsh, yes, and, you know, I fell up short. So it's, it's, it's a title that I haven't got to add. The my, the my collection of belts, you know, and it's one that I, I wouldn't mind adding. You know, it's a very highly recognised title, you know, and, yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, getting a win here and adding that belt before I move on to bigger and better things. You've won, I think, four in a row since moving up to lightweight. What's the big kind of differences between you at 135 compared to Super Feather and, and Feather previous to that? Massive difference. You know, when I was doing Super Featherweight, the, throughout training camp, throughout sparring, you know, everything was going great. But then once it came to cutting them, Cutting the last load of pounds off, you know, it was affecting me massively. You know, I went out to, I went out to America a bit early for the Tavern Farmer fight, and I think spent there enough every day training with a sweatsuit on. Just you were more or less eating and drinking slightly, and then you were training with a sweatsuit just to make sure that you were able to have a gain and so on and so forth. You know, it was just it took its effect on me. So you know, moving up and doing the weight comfortably, you know, it's it's crazy what a couple of pounds the difference that a couple of pounds can make the, the your performance and how you feel, so you're there. The move-ups doing me real good, you know, I'm doing the weight comfortably. I'm doing the weight a lot more comfortably than what I was doing super featherweight, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the move's been good, you know, it's shown. It seems like you've carried your power up with you as well. I think you're probably recognised now as one of the biggest pound-for-pound punchers in, in uh, UK boxing, if you like. Just give us an idea of where that comes from. Is it completely natural? Do you work on it? Where does it go? Where does it come from? I think it comes natural, you know, I've never really worked on power, you know. I actually hadn't really done an awful lot of strength and conditioning up until a few camps ago. You know, I started working with um, I started working with Michael Lands, and you know, things really started to fall into place. And you know, I think the strength and conditioning that I'm doing now it can only, you know, can only make me that more a bit stronger, and you know, it can uh, up my punch power as well. So, yeah. You talked about um getting past Gavin Gwynn, hopefully, and then moving on to bigger and better things. What does that represent to you? Obviously, I'm sure you want another world title shot, but who do you see as the big fights at lightweight? It's a hugely competitive division. The, the lightweight division, yeah, like you say, it's a hugely competitive division. You know, there's a lot of big names out there. Not one that goes and calls fairs out, but we get my, get my British title shot out of the way, and, you know, I'm hoping to push on for a world title, you know, of, of, of big dreams and ambitions like every other boxer become world champion but I believe that I can 
I believe at lightweight, you know, I can I can push on and I can win a world title. There's been speculation that after the rearranged Tiafimo Lopez fight, Lomachenko win or lose will probably move back down in weight um, to to seek other fights or other belts. What do you? Who do you perceive as kind of the number one outside of him? The number one at them, you know, all the all the tail holders at the minute, you know, I'd say they're very closely matched. You've got Javante Davis, you've um, you've Teofimo Lopez, you've got um, what do you call that guy? Ah, uh, his name will come to me. But you know, I believe they're all they're all kind of closely matched, and you know, I believe that I can I can mix it up with them at, with how I'm going at the minute. And you've been fighting on matchroom shows recently, of course. So you've got the likes of Devin Haney, Luke Campbell as well, both competing at lightweight, who potentially could be big fights for you, even over here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, definitely. Um, you know, Devin Haney, it's him and um, Luke Campbell. I think they've been having a bit of back and forth. So they're a possible fight for for down the lane. You know, I'd be happy to take a winner, not a problem, you know, but like I say, I need to get my British Hill fight out of the way, get the win, and then that's the sort of fight that I can push on for. Brilliant. Well, it's been really good to, to catch up with you, and um, I hope it all goes ahead as planned. I look forward to watching it. Brilliant. Thank you very much. All right. And uh, yeah, stay safe. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You too, man. Cheers. Take care, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, all right. Bye. Fuadia back on Behind the Gloves with another news update, keeping you guys up to date with all things combat. Now, something a little bit different in terms of the people we're going to be talking about. Um, two of the former strongman champions, Eddie Hall and Hafta Beyonsen, have agreed to fight in Las Vegas next year. That's right. They both put it on their social media with this poster uh, confirming that they're going to take part in a sanctioned boxing bout. Uh, now, this is mind-blowing, taking into fact that these guys, like Eddie Hall weighs around 350 pounds, 360 pounds, and Hathor weighs about 480, 490 pounds. These guys are huge. I can't even imagine what this fight is going to look like. They've got a long time to train, in all fairness. Obviously, as you can see, the date says September 2021 so they've got over a year to train they've apparently agreed and signed contracts um hence the they're, they're both confirming this but they've got a long time to train so maybe within that year and a bit they can sort of you know get their bodies used to you know moving around the boxing ring throwing the punches because as far as many of you guys know once you throw a couple of punches in the boxing ring it's something new it's something you you've never experienced before if you haven't done it and and it takes it out of you and especially because they've got so much muscle mass and they're so big it's going to be crazy so it's going to be a very interesting match to say the least um they almost weigh to put together 800 pounds it's the heaviest boxing match in history now that wrong that ring has to be strong. That ring has to be strong because these guys, you know, they they are strong. So that that's one thing. And also, the paramedics definitely need to be on standby because if either of these two know how to punch and land the punch properly, the power behind that punch is going to be something like we've never seen. So it's going to be interesting. It's something different. I've always wanted to see uh, something like this. I know strongman and boxing don't really collide, but I've always had that idea to see something like this. And it's going to be interesting if it does happen. I'm looking forward to it. What do you guys think of this um, match? Are you going to watch it if it comes around, when it comes around? And uh, who have you got to win? Have you got... Uh, Eddie Hall or have you got half of Beyonce who is also the mountain by the way on the Game of Thrones if you didn't know that if you don't watch it but anyway that's the news uh, let us know in the comment section below make sure to drop a like comment and subscribe and we'll catch you soon Hey Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Fi fans.
obviously before I do let you go, Peter, I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of fights which have kind of been talked about for when boxing returns. In fact, whilst we're on it, there have been talks about behind closed door shows. What are your thoughts on that? I think the, the main thing is, I think it's good. I think if people's kept safe and the promoters can make money and the boxers can make a, make a living and there's a way around it, then it's good because people can still see it. You know, so that's the thing. And maybe there will be, maybe there'll be distancing, maybe they'll have probably in the hundreds there rather than the thousands. And, you know, have some like VIP tickets where people pay a premium to be there at the two metre distancing. So there could be a load of uh, different things. You know, so like I said, as, as long as it works and the fighters can get back fighting and everybody can get back to making money and, you know, earning a living from it and producing sports so as people can see it, that's the main thing. But the ultimate thing is keeping people safe. And obviously, as I mentioned, there are a couple of fights which have been mentioned, start off with the heavyweights. Um, Andy Ruiz Jr., you know, he's come out, he said he wants to try and train with Canelo and Eddie Reynoso, have one fight and then look towards a Luis Ortiz bout. What are your thoughts if Andrew is Jr. face Luis Ortiz? I think Andrew Jr. probably you know, he's a good fighter. You know, why not? He's, he, he's there. Andy Ruiz lost the lost the rematch through being silly. You know, Andy Ruiz is a good fighter, but he's just not in the right shape. You know, whether the guy likes it or not, he's not in the right shape. You know, and that's put this way. He's such a talent, Andy Ruiz Jr. You know, look what he's doing when he's three or four stone overweight. He's still doing the rounds. You know, so, and the guy can fight. He's always been a good fighter. But I think if Andy Ruiz got the right conditioning behind him, you know, and he come down, now, look, nobody's just saying be a body beautiful because that's not what fighting's about. But you have to, you have to be at a fight fit weight. You've got to be able to carry that weight. And if that weight starts hampering your movement, and slows you down and stuff, then it's not your weight. So, like I said, he, uh, I think if Andy Ruiz um, gets proper trainers, you know, gets into proper condition, I think sky's the limit for him. I think he's he's going to take some dealing with. Because with Andy Ruiz, you know, he's got slow feet because of the weight he carries. You know, the guy's a very good boxer. So if Andy Ruiz can sharpen up on his feet, which is all down to his body weight... You know, and come down and be a m more agile and move around. You know, he's going to get there. Because Andy Ruiz is not a stiff, a stiff type of fighter, a lethargic fighter. He's sharp. You know, so the only reason he's not moving as quick is because he's carrying excess pounds, and he can't move as quick. But when he gets that weight down, he, he can be a force. He's he's a serious fight for anybody. So that's put this way: I pick him to knock Ruiz. I, I pick him to knock Ortiz out. Another name which has kind of come out recently for Andy Ruiz is Tony Bellew. I know Tony's retired, but if he was to come back, would you be interested to see him face Andy Ruiz? Uh, heavy, I don't know. I just think um, I think Tony Bellew. You know, he's he's, he's done well in his boxing, he's cruiserweight, and uh, like I said, he did fight an elite person in uh, Usyk. You know, he's a very elite boxer. You know, and he, he tried his best. So, you know, Tony Bellew's achieved good things. I don't really see the point in him coming back. I don't see what the point is. He's got money. You know, he's he's got a good lifestyle. He's on the television and stuff, doing stuff and things. So, he's made his mark in boxing. You know, who am I to say? There's been plenty of fighters uh, come back. On Alexander Usyk, how do you think he will fare up at heavyweight? Obviously, everybody knows undisputed cruiserweight champion, phenomenal technician of the ring, but everyone always says, is he going to be too small to compete? What's been your initial thoughts? My hunch is, I don't think so. I think Usyk is one, probably one of the next danger men in the division. I think he's going to do big things. So, like I said, there is, there is a little bit of doubt with the size. But I don't think that's going to be. I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. But I think he will be able to uh, to navigate his way around that. I see Usyk as a very, uh, very skilled, very talented uh, world level boxer. I think. I think he's definitely going to do well. Obviously, he was set up to face Derek Chisora. If that fight was to happen when boxing returns again, how do you think that one could go? 
Well, as we know, you know, you stand there, Chisora's a fighting man. When you stand in front of Chisora, he's going to give anybody a tussle. You know, he's, he is what he is. He's, he's, what, he's what you get on the tin. He's, he's got a good heart with him, and he's a fighter. You know, and he'll keep going till the end, Chisora. But like I said, you know, somebody like with that level of skill set, and, you know, Usyk's not a man that can't hate you either. You know, he's got, he's, he's got that accuracy, and never mind about it. He probably hasn't got an heavyweight, that one-punch knockout power. But still, you know, he can hit. So I don't... Um, and, you know, going off the past, Derek, he's always performed not good with boxers. You know, and as we know, Usyk, he's got skills to burn, hasn't he? So, you know, he's a box of tricks. So, like I said... It's an uphill battle, that one for Chisora. Not something he can't win, because like he said, Chisora's a genuine heavyweight, and Chisora will have full intentions of going in there and letting, letting loose like a gunslinger, you know? And he'll try and uh, catch Usyk the best way he can. But that's an uphill task, and very much so. I see, I've got to see um, Usyk coming through that. Peter, I've kept you for an hour this evening. I know that you probably didn't expect it to be that long, but I honestly, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate giving up your time and telling your backstory to me and to everyone who will tune in to watch this interview. Before I do let you leave, though, what would you like to say to everybody who does tune in and watches? Just everybody keep safe. I feel for the family that's lost loved ones already. You know, I can only imagine what they're going through. And, uh, you know, we just don't know when, it, when our time's up. What we have got to do is live for what we have got today. You know, live for today. We just don't know what tomorrow brings. And uh, just be happy and, you know, you know pray to God. And, and if people hasn't got a lot of faith, they need to get it because, you know, without that, you know, people's walking around blind, in my opinion. So pray to God and uh, be thankful that everybody's okay and everybody's doing the best. Peter, that's brilliantly put. And I'll thank you once again for your time. I hope you guys stay safe. God bless you all, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, Andy. All the very best to you and your family. The biggest money you can make fighting somebody in boxing, and he's been retired for years. How many people are still calling out Floyd Mayweather? Who's yeah. got on mitts now instead of gloves? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, there's Errol Spence Jr., who made a pretty bold statement saying that he, he could beat Floyd Mayweather if he fought him in his prime. Uh, that's another question to ask the, the fans listening. Do you believe that, or do you believe that He's only saying that because there's no way to find out. So that's a question. We obviously have Amir Khan who, for somehow, we always end up getting him, the Floyd Mayweather's name out of his mouth. I, I, you know, I saw Leonard Ellerby tweet today saying, like, get over it. Like, let it go. Like, just stop talking about it. And so I ask you guys the same question. Like, do you, do you know, it, is it just annoying at this point? to keep hearing Floyd Mayweather's name mentioned again and again when we all know the guy is retired. Now, don't get me wrong. I do understand that he likes to tease people and say that he's making a comeback. Now, when we, when we he at this point, we all know that when he says comeback, it's going to be in a form of an exhibition fight. It's not going to be a, a, you know, the same Floyd Mayweather we saw fighting you know four years ago. So it's not the same. It's going to be exhibition events. Um, much like with the one we saw in, was it Japan? Right. And the question for Amir recently, for the recent years, is does he deserve the fights that he's calling out? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's a hard case to make that Amir deserves a fight. But I can't understand him feeling like he was denied something at one time he might have deserved it or at least made very interesting and didn't get an opportunity to get a shot at Pacquiao or Mayweather. So even though he's not in a position to demand anything of any elite fighter right now, do you think with the Kelbrook um, 
Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fights never having happened, is Amir Khan's dream like a dream deferred? Has this guy actually been denied something through his career that could have been defining, that could have made him who he thinks he is in his head? That I mean, has Amir Khan been wronged in boxing to that degree? I don't know. That's going to be something, you know, I think his most loyal fan base will say yes. Um, but when you break it down, I don't, I don't quite know. I just know at one point, if I could go back those many years ago, four or five years ago, and offer the guy any type of advice, it would definitely be don't waste your time trying to get the one or two fights. Keep yourself active. If he had gone and, and, and rematched Danny Garcia, let's just say he wins, right? For what, let's just say he wins. Then I think that he would have been like, if, if he made his agenda to avenge his losses and then build his way up to a, to a position to where those marquee fights make sense, then I would definitely say, um, yeah, that he would have deserved it. But again, you could, you could justify or argue deserve, does someone deserve something in so many different ways? Do you know what I mean? So all I want to say is, I am disappointed at the idea that Kelbrook recently said that he was not going to continue to maybe hope that the fight against Amir Khan can happen. It's done. It's over with. And then Amir Khan recently said, well, you know, Kelbrook needs to know that I'm the A side and he's the B side. And I swear, I, I could have had anything in my hands at that point. And I just would have thrown it in the air and walked away. Like, I'm just so tired of hearing it. It's the same thing. It's almost like Twilight Zone, yeah? You're always hearing the same thing again and again and again and again. And you start to go crazy because you're like, bro, didn't we just talk about this three years ago? And it's the same thing. It's like either make it happen or don't make it happen. It's really simple. And when I, I remember saying something on social media about this uh, when someone comments and saying, like, why are you so tough on Khan? And I'm like, I'm not being tough on Khan. I'm simply stating the facts, the obvious. He told Cal Brook, do X, Y, and Z. Fight, fight more names, uh, get a world title. And he did, and he still didn't give him the fight. And it's not like we couldn't have had the fight. you got to understand, both guys have been available for some time now. There's no reason it couldn't have happened. There is no, you know, uh, scheduling issue. So I'm just calling it as I see it. It's like, I, I do believe that if someone believes that they can win so wholeheartedly, if, they, if, he, if Amir Khan truly believes he can beat Kel Brook, then go beat Kel Brook. I just want, I, I like the rest of the fans are like, either say it out loud, say I'm never giving Kelbrook the fight, or just like, move on. Let's just, let, let's just move on already. And so I'm so tired of hearing it again and again. All right. So finally, I think we've got three good questions. And the last two, I can't help but ask. It's going to be a bit ridiculous, but it is fake news Friday. So everybody's got to take these questions with a grain of salt. Okay, Mike Tyson is definitely training for something. I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, a celebrity boxing match, something for charity, or if he has somewhere in the back of his mind, hey, if this goes really well, maybe I can get one more like sanctioned professional fight. But as in any comeback, boxers are going to make their opinions known. George Foreman has come out on the record, and even in the exhibition realm, he's like, yo, Mike. It's done. Like, we don't need to see you in the ring anymore. Your time is over. Forget about it. We don't want to see you come back. So to me, that is just the first barb of shit talking for a possible huge re comeback for both fighters. All right. So here's what I'm saying. Would you rather see, would you rather see Mike Tyson return to the ring against, like, George Foreman? They're both super old. They've both got great hair if Foreman has any hair left at all. And Foreman's already talking shit. Sounds like a perfect fight for a, an old man come back one more time around the block type of fight. Or do we rather see Floyd Mayweather return in one of those exhibitions? Amir Khan, Lomachenko even, has Floyd's name in his mouth. And he hasn't called Floyd out per se. But he did say that would be his dream fight. Obviously, Floyd's a lot closer to it than what Mike Tyson is as far as his last competitive boxing match. Could, could Floyd Mayweather beat Lomachenko today? I'm not talking prime. I'm talking about 
if Floyd was like, you know what, let me grab this spotlight right quick out of quarantine and be the first big sensational boxing match to happen, could Floyd Mayweather take on Lomachenko and beat him today? Those are my two uh, remaining questions. And then what was the, the, the last one? What would Wilder? What would Wilder take? If you were Wilder, what would it take to make that fight? You want to? You want to weigh in on my last two questions, Michelle? Before we go. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this: this. We, the media, are responsible half the time for these, like, for people repeating Floyd Mayweather's name and so forth, because we bait them sometimes into questions that do, you know, make them mention the names. And we don't mention that part when, you know, it's written into an article. It doesn't say, you know, reporter repeatedly asked the question about Floyd Mayweather and they responded. And so I do know half the time these people, they don't intend to necessarily always bring them up or, um, you know, uh, bait them into you know, wanting to talk about it. I mean, no, we bait them into wanting to talk about it. So just wanted to clarify that. We do do that. With that said, if this conversation is still relevant, whenever I get a microphone in front of Lomachenko, I'm going to do exactly the same thing (laughs) because I would kill to see that fight. I'll tell you right now, there's no cliffhanger here. That fight, and yes, even more so than the possible fights that are really discussed that are possible to be made, if Floyd Mayweather were to come out of retirement and face Lomachenko at 140 pounds, that would be the fight I would most want to see. To me, that would be like a marvelous boxing clinic, and I don't know who would win it. Like, at 140 pounds, if Floyd could get down and, 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 and Loma gets up to 40, I, I, would, I would, if all these fights were happening on the same night and I could only go to one of them, I wouldn't even have to think twice about it. So hope. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fight Fans. Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by all the way in sunny Spain, Marbella, I believe, John O'Carroll. Look at that. Look at that. What a view, <laughs> mate. <laughs> beautiful, blue, beautiful blue skies, mate. Oh, well, I wouldn't show you Scotland, but I think there's a big cloud coming over just now. John, <laughs> first and foremost, you're out in Spain. How are you coping with everything? How's the family? Great, pal. They're blessed. The little baby's actually in the swimming pool right now. I'm looking at her. That's why I'm sitting here. She's uh, just chilling. Everything's good, mate. I can't complain. I'm in the middle of getting my kitchen done. So yesterday was the first day that people were starting to go back to work in there. So I'm getting my kitchen done. So we booked that long before the last fight. You know, that got put on pause. and Holidays and all. We missed two holidays because of late in quarantine as well. So there's a few little things meant to be rolling over. You know what I mean? But it's all back, it's all back uh, up and running and it's all on the road again, so it's all good, mate. How are you coping with the... I know Spain got hit quite hard at the early, uh, back in March and beginning of April sort of thing. How are you coping in terms of your training and getting out and staying motivated to stay fit? Because there's talk about shows going back in July, so how are you staying motivated and keeping fit? I can see you've got like a floor-to-wall bag behind you there. It's just a makeshift floor seeing while there and I have it like literally to a weight <laughs> on the ground, you know what I mean? It's like, make deal with what you have, mate. But, uh, yeah, and the same, like, I have a few, like, little bits here as well, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I have a, a punch bag over there on the far side, you know? I have loads of stuff here. I have hand weights inside, medicine balls, like, mate, it's like, people have no excuse, you know what I mean? Like, you can buy out and all bleeding, eat, or what's it called, Amazon and stuff like that. You can makeshift things. I have things around the corner, just two bottles. And it's just, just like, they're two and a half litres, three litres of water. The applied nutrition big bottles and they have a good handle on them, sturdy handles. So I've just been even filling them up with water to the top 
and doing my workouts with the two of them. You know what I mean? Like, there's loads of ways to keep active and keep fit. So, no excuses. Um, you're coming off a great win over Scott Quigg. I mean, not many people thought you would stop Scott or do that, but you, you did it. Uh, you've got a big smile on your face there. Just talk well, I said it would. I said it would. And when I usually say things, it usually comes true. That's the thing. Because I think people don't, didn't believe that is because you've not got many stoppages. You're a volume puncher rather than that one KO sort of punch. In that. Yeah. Again, what's made you become more... I think you said that you matured as a fight after the Tevin Farmer fight. You've learned to take your losses and it was a learning curve for you in that fight not to go forward and stuff like that. Did you have a different mindset going into the quick fight? I wouldn't say a different mindset. I just was more mature, you know? Like, I was a much more rounded fighter going into the quick fight. I knew not to be panicking. I knew not to be getting too caught up in the crowd. I learned a lot. Like, when I fought in Philadelphia for the world title, it was... I got caught away with the crowd a little bit. I got excited. I threw too many punches. Not enough. I threw too much volume punches, but not enough quality in the punches. You know, there was a lot of things that I took from that fight that I learned from, and I just kind of put into my game inspiring. And I was able to execute with inspiring. I was saying, I'm definitely bringing this into the fight, you know. It's a big difference in doing it inspiring and doing it in a fight. So I've done similar kind of styles like that inspiring lots of times, but I've never been able to have an opponent to come forward at me, you know, so I could defend, I could, like, counterpunch and stuff. So it was just nice to have an opponent like Scott Quick who came forward because if you look at a lot of my fights, they were all counterpunchers all on the back foot and they were better counterpunchers than anything. So for me, like, I had to chase the fight, so I had to come forward. I had to make a fight out of it, you know, and that's not actually my style of fight. I'm, like, better counterpuncher than I am boxer mm. or, or than I am fighter, but because of all the opponents, like, Declan Gardy Bladen, Johnny Quigley, fucking, what's his name, Tevin Farmer, they're all southpaw defensive fighters all on the back foot. Mm -hmm. So I had to come forward. I had no really other option, but I just think because Scott Quigley was able to come forward, he was able to show another side of my game, which people were impressed with. It was good. See, as well, like, obviously with what's happened, all this quarantine and stuff like that, like, after the Scott Quick fight, I, I guess you were itching to get back in the ring because... You're up there in the rankings still. Do you know what I mean? And Scott yeah. Quiggs has propelled you up. That's a great win. So what's, what's the next fight for you? Is it going to be a world title fight or are you going to have one more fight before you step in one of the champions? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Because the way things are going now, um, I'm just hoping that I get a world title fight. I can only see myself being in big fights from now on. I think that whole, like, I don't need that experience anymore, you know? I think I've gained that experience with the world title fight and stuff. So... I think I'm ready for the world stage now. So give me anyone and I'm prepared. So it's going to be more or less whatever MDK can come up with, whatever, whatever champions are going to be willing to fight me, then that's what we'll take. You know what I mean? Or whoever up-and-coming fighters are big names. We couldn't just want big names at this stage. So it's all on basically whatever MDK produces oil for you. Because as you know yourself, most people know me. I just say yeah to every fight. And mm -hmm. if I'm the best I can be, then I'll beat everyone. You know what I mean? That's the way my mindset is. So. Uh, I don't care. I'm ready for world titles now, I feel, at this stage. Obviously, with this sort of quarantine as well, man, it's put emphasis on the fact that we need to see these big fights. I mean, they're talking about Joshua and Tyson Fury getting done in December. People are, are calling out for the Josh Taylor Ramirez undisputed fight at 140 now. So this yeah. sort of break in the sport has said, right, let's just make the big fights happen. For you, if I was to put a promoter's cap on you, and they said, right, John, you can fight anyone. Who would you want to fight that suits your style and be a crowd pleaser? Who would you want to fight in your division? Um, I'd, like, I'd like your man Herring. I'd love your man Herring that Carl Frampton's fighting. Um, if Carl wins that, I'd love... Oh, you've gone, John. Carl, be a massive fight, me and Carl. Um, yeah, I'd love Jojo Diaz. I'd love, I'd love everyone, mate. Birchell, Santa love, Cruz. I'd I mean, love, it's a great division. I'd love Santa Cruz. Yeah, mate, I'd love... Like, I know Selby's gone up to Blade and Lee Selby. Is it Lee Selby has gone up? Which one was the... Yeah, he's gone up to Lloyd. Lee Selby's, yeah, yeah. I'd fight him, a Blade and Super Fella. Uh, not a big name, you know what I mean? Uh, I just want big names. I just want big names. World champions are former world champions. That's all I want at this stage. But I, I would love the Carl Frampton fight, obviously, because he's, he's Irish as well. The atmosphere would be electric. It'd just be... Just amazing you know what I mean that's a fight that I'm really looking at and I don't know why but it's like because someone mentioned to me at the start like it was like a fan mentioned it, and I was like straight away I was like oh that'd be a good one mm -hmm. you know what I mean so then like, it was just playing in my head and then 
but now it's starting to kind of manifest itself now everyone's talking about it so well, that's, that, that's sort of where I was sort of steering, that's what I was steering that conversation so you, Sorry, are you I say that, that's where I was going to steer that conversation so it was like Jamel Herring and Frampton are going to fight at some stage this year I take it you'll be supporting Carl and hoping he comes through that so we can probably see the John O'Carroll because it'll be an easy fight to make before you and Carl you both with MTK do you know what I mean? Exactly. Both Irish, Belfast, you know. Yeah. And we're both sense. big draws. We're both big names in Ireland. So it's not like just one of us are kind of a big name. We're both big names in Ireland now at the minute. So it would sell out Bladen, the SSC Arena. It would sell out Windsor Park. Like, it'd sell out massive arenas. So that's what it's all about as well. It's a business at the end of the day. So business sense, I just think it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Business, business sense, it makes sense. And as they all say, styles make fights. Again, selfishly, as a, as a boxing fan, you against Joe, uh, Carl Frampton, I'm just trying to picture the fight. I think it'll be a great fight because your style and his style will just gel perfectly. I think so as well. I think so as well. It'll be a fantastic fight. And just the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm excited I'm getting about it. Because when, when it was mentioned to me originally, it was like just, ah, oh, yeah, great. That'd be an amazing fight. Yeah, Jesus, I never really thought about it. I'd love that fight. But then the more and more that I'm kind of speaking about it and talking about it, the more I'm kind of wanting that fight and the more I'm like, Excited for that fight and up for that fight, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it could be amazing, pal. Who wins then? Jamel Herring, Carl Frampton, who wins that fight? I think I think Frampton wins it, yeah. I definitely think Frampton wins it. I don't think uh, Herring is that good. He done me wrong. He's all right. Like, he's a world champion, so obviously he's good. But I just think Carl, with his experience and all, I think his hand speed is better too. I just hope, uh, I just hope the size doesn't play too much of a big part. Because I know Herring is a very big super featherweight. Yeah, he's, he's mad. is obviously coming up in weight, so I don't know how that's going to fare out. But when they were about blading, when they were about in the ring that night and you see the size difference, yeah, it looked big. But your man Herring could have been a blading middleweight then at that stage. You know what I mean? When, when they weigh in, he's going to be a lot smaller. And Carl's probably going to be around the same size. So, you know what I mean? I think he can do it, Carl? Yeah. I think Carl can do it. I'm actually, if I was a betting man, I'd be putting money on Carl to do it. That's how confident I am in Carl to do it. You've said before in the past that even when you lost against Tevin Farmer, you said, I'm still going to be a world champion. Like, your confidence cannot be knocked. Like, you're probably, probably, yeah. Yeah, you probably are the most confident man in boxing that I've ever met. So, <laughs> uh, that, what, where does that confidence come from, Jono? If you don't mind me asking, where does that come from? You know what? I just, uh, I've been, because I, I walk so hard, I grind all the time. I'm always on it. That I feel like I don't believe that there's many boxers out there that is as dedicated as me or work as hard as me. So that's where my comments come from. And, and at the same time as well, I believe like you're almost are what you think you are. You know what I mean? So if I'm like, oh, he's battered me and he's battered me, when it comes time to actually fighting these people and I think he's battered me, I've already have lost a fight before I even got in there. So for me, it's like he's just human. That's the way I try to look at everyone. He's just human. Like there's nobody battered than me. He's probably just. It worked on certain skills more than me, but I don't believe he's better than me. You know what I mean? Or maybe he's just more mature than me, or he's better experienced than me. But I just never believe that anyone is more skilled than me or more determination than me. You know, like you can be, you can, some people are like talented, some people are like just hard workers. I believe I'm a bit of both. You know what I mean? I believe I have a small bit of talent and I have a lot of hard, I put a lot of hard work in. You've got more than a small bit of talent, John. Come on. Yeah, but at the same time, like that, I stay grounded. I like to keep myself grounded too. Even though, like, when I'm when I'm fighting, I'm in the press conference. I'm very cocky, not cocky, but I'm very confident. But I, I almost come off as cocky to some people. But it's more or less me just trying to build myself up for the fight. Because if I'm if I'm not up for a fight, I don't, and I'm not like hungry for the fight. Then I kind of don't work as hard in camp. Even though I do work hard, but when I fear somebody or I I believe someone's a really, really good fighter. It makes me knuckle down and it makes me work harder. And I have like disrespecting people in a way because to me, it's like, right, if I'm at the saying that, I have to back that shit up when I'm talking, you know what I mean? So that's why when I when I said I was going to stop Declan Garrity, that's why I believe I've done it because I, I put my mind to it. And when I said I was going to stop Scott Quigg, that's why I've done it because I put my mind to it. There's not much that if you put your mind to it and you're, you truly believe in yourself, there's not much that you can't accomplish in life. You know what I mean? I think, a lot of people say it, but don't truly believe it. And there's the difference in me and them. Some people are talkers, but I believe what I say. There's not one thing that I really say that I don't believe. Yeah, you know, when I said I'm going to stop Scott Quigg in like round eight, I truly believe it's going to stop him round eight. 
and he nearly went in round eight as well. Only four. Because of the way I would want me to go with the game plan, I reckon if I had actually put the foot down, I could have stopped him in round eight. But because the way I would wanted me to box, he wanted me to be smart and use my head and never get involved. He said, every time it gets heated, get back in the jab. That's all I want. He said, even when you want to, and you know you have him hurt a little bit, I just want you to get back in the jab. He said, you're just going to break his heart completely. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of prove to Albert that I could listen to him and stay on point as well and not get too carried away with the crowd and whatnot. So, like I said, that was a coming of age fight for me. Um, and it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was one of them fights that I wanted to have that <clears throat> I didn't get carried away too much. You know what I mean? I stayed calm and composed. But confidence is a massive part to play in boxing, in business, in life in general. You know what I mean? So, um, it's just a true belief in my ability. You know what I mean? And then, at the same time, it's like, if I don't believe in myself, how can anyone else believe in me? Like if, I, if I truly don't believe that I'm going to be a world champion, I'm telling you I'm going to be a world champion. If I don't believe it, how, how can I convince you that I'm going to be a world champion? Exactly. Yeah. You know? So I put it out there to the world, but I put it out there truly believing that I will be world champion. I know I will be world champion. It's not even like a case of will he be or what. It's only a matter of fact of when. Like I said, Donald, like, you're probably the most confident man I've ever met in boxing. Seriously, apart from Tyson Fury, you're probably... Stop there with Tyson Fury anyway when it comes to boxing. The missus is here, she's like, not even in just boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. You mentioned something there when the Scott Quick fight, what Albert told you is don't get carried away with the crowd. How, what's your thoughts on, because it seems like the British Boxing Board of Control are, are saying that they're going to put fights on in July behind closed doors, in studios with no crowd. You, you're yeah. a young woman, if you don't mind me saying, you love the sort of feeding off the crowd sort of thing. So what's your thoughts on fighting in front of basically just a few people in the audience? Yeah, well, see, the thing is, like, as boxers, we do that in the gym day in, day out anyway. So it's no actual difference. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the only thing is, it takes a bit of, like, excitement there, I think. Because even though the... F- see, the thing is, when you're sparring someone that's, like, really good, you're still at that nerve, you're still at that excitement, regardless of anything. And if you've had a good spar, you're still like, oh, that was great. You're still buzzing getting out there. But it's... The ring walk is amazing. Playing your music and you're walking out and you're hearing all the crowd and you're like, ah... All those things, like, there are things that you can tell the, the grandkids about. You know what I mean? There are things that I live for. And it's, it's half one of the reasons why it boxes, that excitement of walking out into that crowd. And then the whole, like, everyone just jumping all over you. It's amazing. It's a, it's a fantastic feeling. And it's actually hard to kind of explain to someone who probably hasn't seen or been in that position before. But then at the same time, I don't care, mate, because at the end of the day, boxing for me is a job. So, like a, a true professional, I'll get in and do my job, leading in my backyard and in, in a phone box. It doesn't matter where they do it because at the end of the day, it's me and him in there and the crowd don't actually make a difference because that only matters for the ring walk and as you're leaving. Once the bell goes, you tend to be kind of in the zone anyway. You don't really forget. You just forget about the crowd. It just kind of blows out almost, you know? Yeah. So, I don't care. It's all the one. Just pay me the same. That's all I'm asking. Just pay me the same. Exactly. As long as I'm getting paid, man. That's, I, I, I don't care, man. As long as I'm, I, if I can go to the show with no crowd and just talk to the fighters, I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? But, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to ask as well, Scott Quigg retired after your fight. I mean, what your, just want to just go back in it and your thoughts on Scott Quigg and his sort of like career and stuff like that. Do you know what? Scott Quigg has been a fantastic champion. Really, really good champion. And what I believe with him as well is he just got there because of his hard work. And that's what I really, truly respect from him is that he wasn't never the most talented boxer, but he made it to the world scene because he was such a hard worker. So for me, you have to have nothing but respect for him. You know what I mean? Because he didn't get there from talent. He got there because he worked extremely hard. And I believe I'm half a cut from the same cloth. You know, it's like, I believe I do have a bit more talent, but I, I, I truly believe that talent comes with hard work. The more the harder you work, the more talent you, be, you become. So, you know, for me, I respect him what he's done, and I don't think he was too old for that fight. I don't think he was over the hill. I don't think he was fucking 31. I'm, I'm just going 28, and I feel like I'm only starting to come into my prime. So how can somebody, and I, I feel like I'm just learning, you know what I mean? There's yeah. people like Bleeding Pacquiao who's in the 40s and they're still world champions. So don't be coming at me with that crap saying, oh, I just didn't have it. And I just, it was just my game plan was spot on. That's all. Finally, before I let you go, John, I want to I get your thoughts on this talk. Now, like I said to you, the emphasis to get these big fights going. 
Joshua and Fury. I just want to get your thoughts on that fight. Who do you think wins that one? I can't. I can never doubt Tyson Fury, man. It's like he's never let me down. You know what I mean? So you can never, you can never doubt Tyson Fury. So I'll go with Tyson all day, every day, and I've always have. I, I never once said Tyson was gonna lose to any man. Even when he fought in Klitschko the, Klitschko the first time, I was one of the only ones in Ireland who said, no, we reckon, because I watched the press conference and that. And like we were saying about me with the conference, Tyson Fury is the exact same. He, he talks so much that whether he truly believes it or not, he convinces mm. He believes himself. If he truly believes that he can win, and a man with that, that, um, that confidence is a very hard man to beat, you know what I mean? And, like, it, it came true, you know what I mean? He went out. Played with Klitschko on every single fight. I've always backed Tyson Fury. So, I'll never go against him. He proves me wrong. Not two words said there, mate. I've got to say, you're probably one of the most confident, confident men in boxing, but you've definitely got the best beard in boxing, mate. But I can see a couple of great... <laughs> well, that beard game is strong. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Do you know what? Look at it. I messed it up a little bit. I, I cut it down here. I came right across. So, I had to go and redo the hairline again and get it proper straight. You know what I mean? To leave that ground for a while. You can yeah, see about my hair. You know what? You might even give me some inspiration, John. I might just grow this one out. <laughs> you should, mate. The great bears look the bollocks as well. The great bears look even better again. That's coming from a guy who's like four strands, agree. Yeah, mate. I'm going to have to get on that just for men, too. The mascara. You know what I mean? Just darken up a little bit. That's brilliant. John, man, like I say, appreciate your time, mate. Enjoy the sunshine in Spain. Looking forward to your next fight. I mean, you're always there. You're always producing the goods in the ring. And you obviously, you can talk outside the ring as well. So you're definitely a fan favourite. I'm a fan. Thank you, brother. Andrew Lewis, Fightful TV, brother. And I stay safe and I'll speak to you soon, Jono. I appreciate it, my man. Have a great day. Thank stay you. blessed. Stay blessed, God man. Bless.